Welcome to Education Matters presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Tom Williams. During COVID-19, educator self-care is more important now than it's ever been. This week on Education Matters, we're here to discuss staff wellness from teacher, district, and statewide perspectives and how we are supporting those on the front lines of education. Before we welcome our first guest, I'd like to share some of the things educators at South Granville High School are doing to show self-care and wellness. Teachers there are using quiet time, exercise, virtual hangouts with friends, sitting in the sun, taking time to relax, listening to music, spending time with family learning, teaching outside of academics, making healthy meals, doing yoga, waking up at a normal time, not working on weekends, yard work, and decorating the house as methods of self-care. I'd like to welcome uh, to our show, Shonda Battle, Program Coordinator for the Forum's North Carolina Resilience and Learning Project. Thank you so much, Ms. Battle, for being with us today. Yes, thank you for having me. Good, these are unprecedented times and I hope you and your family are personally doing okay at this time. We are, and I hope you are as well. We are, thank you. So, you know, there's been a lot of discussion recently about the importance of social emotional learning and the mental health um, for our students. Yeah. But we hear less often about uh, what we're thinking about when it comes to the well-being of our uh, faculty, teachers, and staff members. Why is social emotional learning and the mental health needs for those professionals important to us? Yeah, so when you're talking about our educators, we've heard a lot about people being on the front lines of this pandemic. Well, educators really are on the front lines. Many of these employees have meaningful relationships with their students. And what that means is much like mental health professionals, they know a lot about what's going on um, both inside and outside of the school building. And so knowing some of these things um, and the traumas that their kids are, are having and seeing how they play out in the school building, um, it starts to wear on somebody. This is when you start to hear about things such as burnout, secondary trauma, and compassion fatigue. It's the same reason that some of us can't watch the news or we turn away from a particularly heart-wrenching story because compassion for others also causes emotional fatigue for ourselves. And it can leave the teacher lacking in many ways. So in our work with the Resilience and Learning Projects, as we go into different schools um, to coach schools on how to be trauma-sensitive and trauma-informed learning environments and foster resilience. I'd say in about 99% of those schools, our first work is done in fostering resilience and um, supporting the trauma of the staff um, because we have to get to them before they are able to be um, open and ready to teach and handle all of the things that comes with those little people entering their classrooms. Very good. Um, so as you interact with these educators now in light of the coronavirus pandemic, what kind of concerns are you hearing from educators that have raised their level of stress or their need for uh, resilience? So some of the biggest concerns in reaching out to teachers have been one, of course, the quick switch to the online learning environment, and that causes issues with self-efficacy. So if you may not have been um, confident with your content, you may have some relief from not being in the classroom and managing um, behavior issues, but now you have this new, um, new platforms that you're being asked to do, all while figuring out how you are gonna personally deal with the pandemic. So the switch to online has been an issue, but above all, most of our teachers are worried about their kids that they cannot get a hold of. 
um, those kids that we spoke about before that they know have adverse childhood experiences that are experiencing um, or were experiencing trauma prior to the pandemic. And now it's just being, you know, intensified. Um, and I, you know, we talked about something that we saw on Twitter. Quickly, we forget um, for some of us being home is a luxury. Um, for a lot of students, being home is misery. Um, so a lot of teachers are concerned about the kids that they're not hearing from. And one person put it, she said, I don't know if he's eating, if he's being safe, or if somebody's telling him that things are going to be okay and we're going to get through this. So just those little things um, and not, for a lot of teachers, you know, we work in particularly low performing, or predominantly low performing schools. And so teachers joke that, you know, oh my goodness, my problem child comes to school every day, but in their hearts and in their minds, we were glad when that child came to school every day because we knew that we were safe and that we could provide buffering for them. Um, so they're just worried about those kids that they're not hearing from. So I know that your um, faculty members have had a lot of professional development in this area. And now, as you said, they switched to remote learning. What are some of the skills that they've learned when they're in their traditional face-to-face -face setting that they can now carry forward with their students while they're online? Absolutely. So one of the big things is when we're training schools and talking about um, well-being and teacher self-care, we do a game of charades using two words, react and respond. And we use charades to explain this concept because when you're doing charades, you can actually feel the word and how it makes you feel. Um, and how your body changes with those two response or two words. So when we react to a situation, teachers report their hearts beat fast, some report feeling hot or heated, our body tenses up and we're usually on the defensive. When we respond though, we are always in control. We're able to remain calm and relaxed um, and use effective statements and questioning to get our point across. Well, that works in the classroom setting, but it also works in the online setting as well. This is a stressful time for teachers. So if you've spent a week um, planning a lesson and then go and open your Google Classroom and only three of your students have done any of the work that you've asked for that you spend all of your time creating, that can be a very stress and activating, stress activating um, situation. But you do still have the opportunity to react or respond. And so I would encourage teachers to use what they know and pull out of their toolbox those same kind of management um, skills that we use in the classroom, use those with your students. Don't ask, why didn't you do it? Or what's wrong with you? Take that time to send emails um, and contact students and say, you know, how can I help? How can I ensure that you're successful while you're away? Also, we talk about using um, positive statements or positive narration. So positive feedback works all the time, whether we're face-to-face or whether we're um, on an online environment. So making sure that when students do submit work, we tell them how proud of them we are. And I think one of the things that we forget also too, which is actually um, something that helps support uh, our expectations and helps when expectations aren't being met by students in the classroom is modeling. So remembering to respond and not react, not fussing to our spouse um, or to whatever colleague that work isn't being done. I'm so frustrated. I'm tired of this. I threw up my hands. I'm not making these robust lessons anymore, but I'm going to reach out to my kids, find out what they need, give them positive affirmations, and model for them what it is that I expect. Excellent.
It's been delightful hearing from you today. Thank you for all of the work you and your teachers are doing in our classrooms and now remotely. Uh, it's been our pleasure to be with you. After the break, we'll hear from a district perspective with Kanika Griffin, Chief Academic Officer for the Perquimans County Schools. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives. I'm so delighted to welcome uh, to the show now Kanika Griffin, the Chief Academic Officer for the Perquimans County Schools. Good morning and welcome. Good morning. We're delighted to see you today and thank you for making time in what we know is a busy schedule for yourself. It's my pleasure. Thanks. So if you will, share with us how educators and staff in Perquimans are doing in light of the pandemic and how do you feel that they're doing? Well, the educators in Perquimans, we have a very, very tight-knit community, and we have a very resilient group of individuals that work within our school district. So they have pulled together extremely well. Um, they are really um, forming bonds and relationships that are allowing them to just really reach out to our students and, most importantly, um, also reach out to each other um, in this pandemic that is going on. Share with us how educators and staff in your district are doing in light of the pandemic and the change to remote teaching and learning. Well, the educators in our district are a resilient and unique group of individuals. Um, they have really, really dived in to help out. Um, our child nutrition department um, has hit the ground running. Our educated, our teachers are there to support them. Um, we've had volunteers with helping to deliver meals. Um, as far as getting the packets out, we have educators coming in volunteering to hand out packets. Um, we have educators that are even going out to homes of students that they cannot um, connect with um, via telephone to try to make sure and do a check on them, a check in to make sure everything is okay. Um, and they have just really hit the ground running um, in this situation. It has really brought our community together. What kinds of things are you doing to try to take care of the people who are caring for the children? Right, let me give you a little backstory on that. So um, we were afforded the opportunity to hire two licensed clinical social workers at school here. And through that, we formed a team called the Resilience Team. Um, and so, Back early in um, the um, winter, we actually started to show, go out in the community. Uh, we partnered with Bagley Swamp Church and we did a resilience film um, at that particular church. And so we thought about, because our district was getting a large number of transfer students with mental health needs. So we wanted to really dive in and see how we could help our educators to overcome some obstacles. And so what we started was an initiative called Wellness Wednesdays. Um, with this initiative, every Wednesday, we had different organizations that we would partner with that would come in. Um, we had Biden to come in and we did wellness screenings for our employees. 
We had a massage therapist to come in and we did many massages for all of our employees. Um, so every week we would do something. So with school being closed, we were like, we wanted to continue to do something. So what we did was we took and um, actually partnered everybody with a different employee within their school so that they could do a check-in system. So that's what we've been doing, check-in systems and the principals have been checking in with employees every week as well. Can you talk a little bit about how you know what your efforts are making a difference with your staff and supporting them? And then maybe as a final thought, we know your staff's always concerned about the well-being of, of the students and anything that you and your teachers and principals are doing to stay connected with the students remotely. So what we've been doing um, in order to stay um, connected with our students remotely, one of our schools, Hereford Grammar School, actually had a very unique idea. Um, it was called a Flipgrid Challenge. Um, so what they did, all staff members, they created Flipgrids about what they missed the most about Hereford Grammar School. And the students as well participated and created flip grids on what they miss about school. So that's just a way that they have really stayed connected with those students. Um, they've also, like I said, they made phone calls to students, Zoom videos, um, just to connect with those students. A lot of our staff also, as I um, previously said, are going out helping deliver meals. So that's a way for them to check in on the students as well to make sure that they're doing okay. Very good, got about uh, half a minute left. Final thoughts as you all continue to move forward between now and uh, May 15th and hopefully school being able to be reopened. Well, I just think that we are, um, like I said in the beginning, a very resilient team. Our superintendent and our assistant superintendent, Mr. James Bunch, have just shown um, tremendous leadership throughout this ordeal. Um, and so I think my advice to other districts is definitely have a check-in system with your staff, just to check in. Um, even though we have staff that are working remotely, just you know, pick up the phone or reach out and just find creative and unique ways uh, to still make sure that you're checking in with your staff. And thank you again for being here today. Thank you for having me. After the break, a teacher perspective with Brooke Wester, a Englewood Elementary School teacher from Nash Rocky Mount Schools. Joining us now is Brooke Wester, a fourth grade math and science teacher at Englewood Elementary School in the Nash Rocky Mount Public Schools. Thank you so much for joining us, Ms. Wester. Good morning. I'm so glad to be here with you guys. What's it been like the last few weeks as an educator and as a parent? I've had to take on so many roles. I feel like I have all these hats that I'm wearing, um, you know, being a mom, a homeschool mom, a teacher, a housewife. It's, it's been a lot to juggle and it can get pretty stressful at times um, trying to be able to figure out how much time to spend on all of those different things. What's it been like not being able to see your students personally every day? You know, those, those kids are my heart. They're why I do what I do. And it's, we really didn't have any closure. And I think that's what has made this so difficult. We went home on a Friday thinking, you know, the weekend will be back Monday and that's turned into two months. 
and being able to only see them through a Zoom call or talk to them through an email, it's been a lot to get used to. And I just, I miss seeing their faces every day. That's what kept me going. Talk a little bit about how this experience, we're now in the fourth week of it or finishing up the fourth week of it, how it's affected your relationship with your students as well as their parents or guardians. I feel like this has opened up a whole new dynamic in my relationship with my kids and with their parents as well. Um, we were really close. We talked with the parents and I, we talked every day, most of us anyway, but I feel like this has opened up more appreciation, me appreciating them even more. They're having to juggle those same roles that I am at home with their kids and still work as well. And I have felt such the outpouring of appreciation from my parents as well. They see all the hours that the teachers are having to put in to be able to continue to educate their children at home. So talk a little bit about uh, in the setting, how you have continued to build those relationships with your students and really with a focus on understanding the social and emotional learning needs and well-being needs of your students and, and how are you trying to do that remotely? So those relationships with my students, that is something that is so very important to me. Yes, my job is to teach them, but you have to have that rapport and that rapport and that relationship with your students as well. Um, when we are in school, we have morning meetings. We start our day every morning greeting each other, saying hello, sharing things about our day or our weekend or just things going on in our lives. Um, we also do check-ins online. We did that in school as well, where they could just tell me, you know, Miss Wester, I'm doing great, or Miss Wester, I could really use somebody to talk to right now. And that would open up that line of communication. So it's been a struggle to carry that over remotely because I don't get to see them every day. Uh, we are doing the Zoom calls and where I'm teaching them some things that is going along with what we were doing back in school. But I always make sure I have that time where we can just talk to each other, um, just kind of check in with us and see how everything's going at home because this is a big deal. I mean, it's hard to us as adults to transition into this new normal, but a 10 year old, it, it just, it's, it's mind boggling. We have an estimate statewide that somewhere close to 20% of our students don't have internet access at their home um, or a device if, if that's an issue. Um, how about the regular plain old phone if the students don't have online access, is that still a resource for you all to use? So out of my students in my classes, I probably have about 50% of my kids who do not have internet at home. So that phone call, that is the only other way I have to get in touch with them. And their parents appreciate that. Sometimes I have to call, um, not on my regular eight to four working hours every day. I have to try to make it work for their parents as well. And that's the only way we can get through this is to stay as a team and continue to work together like we have all along. How can what you've been doing in the past be translated in supporting teachers in a remote environment? So just like children need that social emotional support, teachers do too. And I feel like that's something as an educator, we tend to forget. Um, it's important that we take that self-care as well. At school, we have our wellness room that we've been able to incorporate 
but I may not have that at home, but I have to find those ways that I can take my time to relax and clear my mind, whether it's meditating, reading, having a coffee on the front porch, we have to take care of ourselves as well. As a final word from you, I know that um, you're, I think, in your ninth year of teaching and um, have a lot of respect amongst your peer. How about the role peer-to-peer -peer mentoring and partnerships play, if you can kind of finish up on that for us? So at my school, we have about 50% of our staff as beginning teachers. So it's really important that as a veteran teacher, I reach out to those that are in their beginning years and show them that this is not what's normal. Uh, we're all in this together. They have to have that extra support, whether through email, through phone call. It's important to keep those relationships going and to not let anybody's feelings feel invalidated. You can reach out and talk to each other and it's not gonna make it look like you're a bad teacher or you don't know how to do your job. We're in this together. It takes a team to get through this. Well, those beginning teachers at Englewood are fortunate to have you and your peers to be uh, staying in touch with them. Thank you so much for being with us today and what you're doing with um, your students and your parents during this time. And we really appreciate it. Wish you the best. And we'll be talking to you later in the year, okay? Sounds good. I'm so glad that I was able to join you guys virtually this morning. This was great. Thanks. Thank you so much. After the break, this week's final word. This week, as our state and its 115 local school systems and nearly 200 public charter schools enter their second month in a 100% remote learning and teaching setting, it creates a rich opportunity for reflection both individually as well as for public education as a core element of public services for the public good provided to all of our citizens. These reflections afford us the opportunity to seek continuous improvement and innovation by assessing what's working well in this huge shift in mindset and practice, as well as what gaps exist in meeting the needs of our 1.5 million K-12 public school students, their teachers and staff, and our parents and guardians. In previous shows, we have referenced our State Board of Education's guiding educational plan, driven by the framework of whole child, whole school, and whole community. This framework has taken on an entirely new context with the necessary changes for our students' education being delivered for now in a totally remote setting. As we heard from our teachers, principals, and school support staff, they are immensely concerned about their students as whole children. While their concerns are first and foremost grounded in meeting their students' ongoing academic needs, due to their knowledge of each child's circumstances, in many cases they have daily concerns for their students' physical well-being due to the issues of food insecurity and the many pressures and demands being placed on working parents, multiple childcare needs, and the growing economic pressures in many homes based on the changing employment scene across North Carolina. Based on the wide diversity of our students' educational and personal needs and the wide range of differences in homes to support remote learning, combined with the variety of resources available across our local communities, the complexity and challenges faced by our educators grows each day. 
with 80 of our 100 North Carolina counties classified as rural, serving nearly 40% or 570,000 students. Internet and wireless accessibility as a key equity issue has risen to the top as a fundamental infrastructure need across North Carolina. While our state, local communities, and each of us individually must remain vigilant and focused on the immediate and life-threatening implications of COVID-19, on the other side of this, let us find strength in our common purpose to create a better and more equitable North Carolina by embracing our recent innovations, lessons learned, improved public policy, and strategic investments in public education. So these unprecedented times will inspire us to seek new levels of excellence. That's it for this week's show. Thanks again for watching, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.